This episode of She Does is supported by Vermont College of Fine Arts MFA in Film. The program offers a two-year student-designed, project-driven graduate program of professional mentorships for your scripts, fiction, and nonfiction filmmaking, and hybrid and transmedia projects. It's exciting, affordable, and intense. Refine your creative vision as you develop intensely personal stories in an independent practice. Visit vcfa.edu slash film to find out more. Hi, listeners. It's Sarah. And this is episode 27.5, a music maker episode featuring the musicians who soundtracked episode 27 with Alexis Wilkinson. This musical group is made up of two women who go by Chargo. I'm Margo. I'm Charlie. Like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Together we're Chargo. Uh, I play viola. I play the violin. And we both sing. And they're both classically trained in string instruments. But they create music that blends traditional orchestral sounds with hip-hop, electronic music, and some serious traces of jazz mixed in there. You definitely can't fit it in a box. A majority of the tracks on both of their EPs, Broken Baroque and The Gallerina Suites, are lyricless compositions. But they do both write lyrics. Gave you my money, gave you my time, why you wanna hurt me, girl? We actually have two pretty different writing styles. Although we work together, a lot of the time, Charlie will have her own entire idea, and then I'll have my own entire idea. Be like, here's the song. Five, four is done. Can you help me? You know, so it's, it's pretty cool because the way that we both write lyrics, even like Charlie's more has, like it's it's poetic. There's It's more wordier. There's wordplay. It's like almost, I wouldn't say rap because I don't want to like pigeonhole it. It is kind of like rap. But it is kind of like rap. And I have more like sparse lyrics, so it's cool because we get both sides and we get to put it all together, mm-hmm. outcast style. Yes, we both love minimalism, but we both apply it very differently. The application of their creativity has much to do with their personality traits. And duos usually do well, whether in musical projects or in friendships, because their traits complement each other. One person may have strengths in an area, the other does not. Yeah, I'm the, the responsible one. I'm the responsible one. Yeah, I'm the accountant, coordinator, <laughs> emailer, follow-upper, caller. And maybe this comes from working a corporate job, which isn't something Margot was in love with, but it did end up leading her to Charlie. Margot was working a 9-to-5 office job in Boston, and Charlie was studying at Berkeley College of Music and was playing outside near Margot's office in Copley Square one day. When Margot stepped outside for lunch and saw and heard Charlie playing, she was drawn in. She had to go talk to her, so she did. It was instinctual. I was just like, she's doing something really cool. She looks really passionate. I'm not gonna just like walk by and continue with my day. I'm gonna stop and say something. I feel like a lot of people's stories or their success stories even, it's just them taking advantage of like a moment and being present and saying like, I'm here right now. I'm gonna talk to this girl. I'm on stage right now, I'm gonna kill it. Um, whatever I'm doing at this moment or wherever I am at that moment, I'm gonna take advantage of it. The two ended up clicking, clicking so much that they exchanged numbers and decided to meet up the next day and play together. It quickly became clear they were destined to be creative partners and best friends. Margo was finishing up a four-month contract, and though her employer wanted her to extend, she declined and transitioned into playing as a street performer with Charlie, who had just purchased an amp and was starting to bring her music underground. So they started playing in subways together, 
and it was working, they were getting a response. But it isn't that easy to get a foothold or even get playtime in Boston subways. It's not easy to make a large amount of money. It was impossible almost because we literally had to only be about scheduling our times, not only just being in a subway, but beating all the people. There are only four prime spots in Boston, four. And at 5.30 in the morning, someone is already there. So we had to figure out the math and get dressed and get out there before the oldest person would be out there. And they were tenured, so you couldn't move them. This is what happens when you show up. Hey, how long are you going to be here? Three o'clock. Damn, it's eight o'clock in the morning right now. You're going to be here till three? Okay, can I get the spot after you? No, nah, somebody else already asked before you. So, so there's a whole system that we had to figure out and be in three subways per day for two weeks straight. That is what nobody understood about our hustle. That was our job. So it's not like I was going to the office and then going to play. That's just all we did because we were, we were ready to go to New York and ready to go make the next step. After making $3,000 in just two weeks, solely from busking, they picked up and moved to New York and played underground in the subway stations there. But really, it doesn't matter where you are. Putting yourself out there in a place where you weren't exactly invited, a place where people aren't there just to see you, that can be scary. You're pretty vulnerable. But you've got to hold strong to your confidence and your passion. Then you can embrace the crowds. Yes, we do get thick skin because a lot of times people may not be paying attention to you, but the one thing that we both realize is it's actually not about the attention. It's about the limitless opportunity to be better. Every five minutes you get to start over and nobody knows who you are. We get to recreate ourselves literally every five minutes. In those five minutes, we have to make enough of an impression. It's almost like being street art. When you're walking down the street and you, and you see a crazy beautiful piece and you stop and go, wow. That's how we had to be with our music. So we had to understand that in order to enjoy success, and there were a lot of downs, as many ups, there were a lot of downs, but they all balance everything out. It's very humbling and it's very serendipitous. You meet inventors in the subway, um, museum owners, photographers, photographers, other musicians, lines. curators, I mean, everyone. People from other countries. Charlie and Margot met tons of people playing underground. A few of them led to some serious gigs and opportunities. Opening Ceremony, a fashion line that has created an environment reaching beyond the fashion world and deep into all forms of art, discovered Chargot in the New York subway. Before they knew it, Charlie and Margot were being featured in Opening Ceremony's 2015 Resort Street Runway Show, covering Beyonce and Kanye West, which is another specialty of theirs, taking popular songs, translating them into their language, and watching them take off online, and then performing them live. They've also worked with influential artists like Kendrick Lamar, and have been invited to perform for First Lady Michelle Obama at the White House. When I listen to the music of Chargot, it feels colorful to me. And ironically, Charlie has color synesthesia, a condition, or gift rather, that allows you to associate letters, digits, and for Charlie, sounds, with color. So color has been a huge part of who Chargot is. Charlie and Margot's style and visual aesthetic has become just as much a part of it as the music they make. And this was clear from day one. 
we said, let's get together and play some music. All right, we're gonna dress cute. But we didn't tell each other what we were going to wear. So we show up on the train and this girl is dressed exactly like me. When I tell you we had layers, we had two dresses. Both of us were wearing two dresses and some knee-high boots. We both had mohawks. Mine was blonde and her size was shaved and hers was black and flipped up. We looked like sisters. We looked like we were best friends from the jump. And when I went over her house, I looked at her closet and her closet looked like everything that I normally would pass up on, but she did it cute. And then she came to my house and it's just the same thing, everything she would normally not wear. But then we started blending each other's wardrobes mm -hmm. and th that became such an automatic part of, of who we are. It all comes from the same creative source. The way that we both operate as individuals reflects in the music. Mm -hmm. And our, our style of writing reflects our personality. You know, our style of dressing refers, reflects our personality. It's all coming from the same innate creative source. So many cool, I guess, stylistic movements. It comes from using what you have. So it came out of just like the necessity of wanting to express yourself and maybe not having all the resources. So for us, a lot of the stuff we wear, it comes from thrift stores. We borrow each other's stuff. Um, we, we haven't play, shopped in a year. You know, we haven't shopped in a really <laughs> long time because we'd rather buy equipment at this point. Yeah. But it's just a natural love of color. And I love trying different lipsticks and Charlie likes doing the same thing, like changing our hair. It's just all experimentation. And over time, you know, because we documented each other so much, so we have photos of all these different hairstyles and all this different clothing. We're like, oh, okay, wow, we actually have built this like portfolio, but it wasn't something we set out to do intentionally. Charlie and Margot do have intentions though, things they both value and want to make happen, like bringing music to youth in public schools. They've been partnering with several schools and organizations, like at the end of this month, February, they are doing several black history segments at middle schools and tying music into black history. Bringing music to youth and keeping at it is important to Charlie and Margot because of the impact of having access to instruments at a young age it had on them. We both started in public school. Public school in Detroit, public school in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Public school Where there, program. at the time there was a surplus <laughs> of, instruments. of instruments. And, and really amazing teachers. There'd be 50 violin, violas, and basses, and cellos, and 13 kids in there to play. And, and so we know, you know, from talking to kids now, like, a lot of people don't have those programs or they don't have access to learn how to play a string instrument. And string instruments are, it's not an instrument like a violin. It's not something you can pick up and then be good at it even like five years later. Like it's such a long process to really be able to play. We know that it was such a gift for us to start so young and have the opportunity to develop our technique up until this time. And so, yeah, these instruments yeah. are you have to emotionally connect with those kind of instruments mm -hmm. because it's a vocal instrument. So if you don't emotionally connect in your early years with it, it will be very difficult for you to enjoy playing that instrument. And whatever it was about that instrument to both of us in those different cities at the same time, man. It was important. That's what kept us. <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, you hear, it's, it's like, you hear all the studies about how much music develops your brain, how much it expands your creative thinking. like. That stuff is important and people need that and kids need that, especially nowadays and there's just, it's, everything is so distracting. There's like social media, like I thank God every day I did not have to be on Instagram as a middle schooler. I just went to middle school. I just went to middle school. You know, Facebook but, came out in the senior year, like the second half you know, of senior year. And so they're, the kids these days are living in entirely, I feel like I saw the old lady, 
but they really do live in an entirely different world. Charlie and Margot are consistently looking for new outlets, new ways to express themselves. And as we've seen this through fashion and clothing, it doesn't always have to do with producing original music. It can be with curating music, using their expansive knowledge of music from past to present to create mixes, a series of mixes with themes. Music is so expendable at this point. There's no point in putting out your single because nobody's going to care in two weeks. So I realized that I hold on dearly to good mixes. And I said, well, why don't we just make some? Mm -hmm. And Margo's like, I'm down. The first mix they released is Art Sex Volume 1. Just last week, they released their Brown History Starter Pack a mix that takes you on a disjointed tour through history. They describe it as both whimsical and serious, a musical story with speeches, movie clips, and all kinds of stuff mixed in. It's an homage to a few greats, because there's just no way to include 400 years of excellence, hence the starter pack name. They thought it was cool to burn crosses in your front line as they hung you from trees in your backyard. They thought it was cool to leave you thirsty and stranded, Katrina. Brown history. Brown history. And brown history includes everyone, even some white people, because a lot of us are mixed beyond ways that we don't even know or realize. So brown history is kind of everyone's history, but, you know, black people pretty much have curated American culture. All we say to America is be true to what you say on paper. That's just another way to express ourselves. You know, as an artist, you have to keep doing things that you're not, that make you uncomfortable, things mm -hmm. that you haven't done yet, or things that stimulate another part of your mind. Yes. So, yes, we can play, yes, we can write, okay, now we can mix. Are we, are we a little <laughs> overwhelmed? Probably, but we can't see ourselves doing anything else. We have, we have dreams, but I don't really think that way. I, I know everything I want is going to come to me if I just focus on one little part of it every day, if I just lay each brick. Mm -hmm. And Margot constantly reminds me that. It's piece by piece. Thank you to Charlie and Margot for taking the time to talk with us. Keep an eye on these two. They're doing some really interesting stuff. Visit our website, shedoespodcast.com slash music to find links to their music and mixes and see their incredible artistry in design and fashion. She Does is a part of Slate's Panoply Network, and this episode was produced by myself, Sarah Ginsberg, and Elaine Sheldon. Thank you for listening to She Does. Music. <laughs> <laughs>